Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Tailgating. Tailgates. Yeah, tailgating's always a blast. Yeah! It's time to start your Raider football day with the morning tailgate with your hosts, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang on Raider Nation Radio. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate here on a freestyle Wednesday. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang with you today. And oh, we've got a lot to get into as we will talk to Eddie Borsilli at 8 o'clock. We'll talk about Ndamukongsu and the AFC South as well with Eddie. We'll also get in touch with Trista Crick from WFAN and in New York. She's been covering the NBA Finals as well as the NFL with BetMGM. We'll get her thoughts on the Raiders as they approach this season in 2022 and why they're seemingly undervalued in the betting markets. And at 945, we'll get street legal with Sam and Ash Injury Law. They join us every Wednesday at that time. 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line, and you can hit us up on Twitter at RR 920 AM as well as on the phones on the Realty One Group listener line at 702-365-9200. Vinny, Clay, and Heidi here with you on this Wednesday. Heidi will join us in just a few minutes, but Vinny, good to see you, man. Good morning to you. Good morning, and likewise, uh, big day um, uh, talking about the Raiders, talking about the red zone, talking about play calling. Uh, Q had a uh, Q Myers, uh, our great uh, teammate here at Raider Nation Radio, had a great interview uh, with uh, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Remember on Monday, I think it was, we talked about his list of play callers. Kept it at six, the top six play callers in the NFL, according to Eric. And um, Josh McDaniels wasn't on that list. Clay? Yeah, it seems like it was. Yes, yes. I mean, when you talk about elite play callers, it kind of starts with Josh McDaniels. I mean, he started to, uh, you know, really uh, take himself, pull himself apart from the rest of the pack early in his career, you know, in New England. And then so when you see that he has now become the head coach, and he'll be pretty much this play caller. He is the play caller. You know, I mean, he's not, just because he's a head coach doesn't mean those kind of duties have changed. No. But when you come to a team like the Raiders, where you have a uh, you know just lots of weapons and at the same time uh, a quarterback that is eager to learn and wants to learn more, I figured that would uh, obviously put you still in the realm of you know being an elite play caller, especially when you have a free agent like Devontae Adams that's now in the era you know in your stable. Yeah, and uh, one of the smartest quarterbacks around, somebody that uh, that I think is is his numbers. Derek Carr, we're talking about. Um, I think if everybody stays healthy, um, are going to reach career highs, um, and I think that that should correlate as well to, uh, to to victories. But we'll see. But we'll hear from Eric Eager uh, when he talked to uh, uh, to Q um, this week about what went into 
the 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 metrics and the math of um, you know how he came up with the top six play callers. There were a couple of names on there that I think left some people scratching their heads, especially when you consider that Josh McDaniels uh, wasn't uh, wasn't in there. But a little bit of a preview, I think that Josh is somewhere in that mix right after uh, number six. So, and I think by the end of this year. My prediction would be uh, that uh, that Josh McDaniels will be back, um, at least in Eric's list, among the more elite uh, play callers. I think there is a little bit of a recency bias going on. Um, you know, the last couple of years for Josh McDaniels and the Patriots, um, having to redo a complete offense with Cam Newton in 2020, and then having a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones and a, and a rookie quarterback who, and we talked about this the other day, I think he was limited. I think Mac Jones was limited both as an experience, you know, his rookie year, but then also uh, arm strength and things that you can expect him to do, confidently expect him to do uh, in his first year. They had to scale back the playbook. Oh, they, they still yeah, won a bunch of games. They weren't going to ask him to do anything they didn't think he could, right? Confidently. Right. And that's, I think, kind of like the real uh, the real essence of a Josh McDaniels uh, system is that no matter who came into it, uh, he makes sure that they're provided for by the best schemes possible and the best sorts of uh, you know, plays that you know accentuate you know what they do very well. From Matt Castle to Jacoby Brissett to Jimmy Garoppolo, all those guys that were working in the New England system. You know, if they couldn't be the goat, they could make sure that you looked pretty damn good when you were out there. So when you see a list of like the elite, the best elite play callers for 2022, I'm okay with seeing guys like Andy Reid and um, you know, and if it's John McDaniel yeah. or excuse me, John McDaniels, yeah, Sean, Sean McVay and sure, Kellen uh, Moore and Brian Byron Leftwich. All right. Kyle Shanahan's in there. Uh, Lefleur, you know our good our good buddy out of uh, Green Bay, Matt Lefleur. Like that dude. Uh, got to know him uh, when he was with the Rams. Uh, really good football coach. Um, you know, and and obviously it helps that he's working with uh, with, with Aaron uh, Rodgers down there. But another part of this that I think sometimes gets lost um, in the equation is. Your job is to win football games, and and you know uh, it's 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 always interesting because you look at play calling and this and that and everything like that, and and but if you're the play caller, if you're the head coach, and you know you know my linebackers got a little bit of a hammy going on, my cornerbacks, uh, you know that 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 Achilles is you know barking at him a little bit. Um, you know what's going on with your team health wise. You know talent wise what's going on with your team, what you can count on, what you have to mask. Uh, hey. You know, um, I'd love to be able to call a bunch of more plays, but my guard is not very good right now, whether his, his back is hurt or he's just not a very good player, and we're trying to mask that. And and so a play caller has to uh, deal with all of that and account for all of that. And 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 so the bottom line is, though, got to still figure out how to win the damn game. And it might be uh, – that that might result in some some play calling that, you know – on the from the outside, you might be like, "Why would he do that? Or why is he doing this? Why is he playing this a little bit conservative this week? Uh, where's that one play that we've seen, you know, week after week after week?" There's a lot that goes into this that people don't know. And the bottom line again is, you're trying to win a football game Always. with all sorts of different dynamics going on. Yeah, you got to win games. And a lot of these, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny to think about. Like, if you got a list, do the play calls, you know, match up to the wins? You know, right. Do they match up to beating you know, uh, teams in your division? Are you getting to the playoffs? All that has to be rolled into one. And uh, Eric Eager is the guy who wrote the story for Pro Football Focus, saying Q had him on his show on Monday. And uh, this was on unnecessary roughness. 
And uh, Q asked him the question, and uh, what goes into the math when you start coming up with a list like this? And we, we, you know, we want to see Josh McDaniels in it, but why was he not part of the top six? Yeah, I mean, for for us, it's mostly you know expected points and success rate, that kind of thing, and you know how well a coach does above and you know above and beyond, kind of like you know, what would you expect with based upon the talent level mm-hmm. that a team has? And so, you know, I think McDaniels, you know, he's always done well in that metric. I think, you know, he and Brady always worked well together and like Mac Jones and he worked fine. I, I thought last year at the end you saw some decreases in offensive efficiency and then, you know, additionally and this is what why, you know, the forty ers fan base is so upset, you know, the run pass ratio matters a lot too. And I think we run run first teams don't really do the best in that metric because running, generally speaking, is, is a worse choice than passing. So um, will that change in, in Las Vegas? I think it might, obviously, because you have a better quarterback in Derek Carr, you have better receivers as well, and, and running backs that maybe aren't as good as the ones he had in New England. But, you know, he's more of a, friend, a top 10 guy, in my opinion, than a top 6 guy. Okay. A top 10 guy instead of a top 6 guy. Uh, you know, that's debatable. But... Uh, There's also a little, to me, a little, uh, you get dinged for running the ball, apparently. Well, if you're a play caller, it's almost like this list is like you have to pass all the time. Yeah, and, which and, is and, ridiculous. We, and that's not play calling. Okay, that's that's just kind Appeasing. of... You know, yeah, and it's not reality. Right. I used to talk about this all the time. We're like, oh, Derek Hart needs to throw the ball more long. If you talk to Derek Hart, you're like, to who? <laughs> you know, for a couple of those years. Like, yeah. who do you want me to throw the ball to long all the time? Why to to appease you know Joey up in the the the, the section three hundreds that wants me to throw the ball really long? What if I don't have confidence in the guy that I'm throwing to to be where he needs to be to make the play when the ball is there? Otherwise, I'm just throwing the ball up to appease somebody. You're trying to win a game, right? And um, you know these lists are these lists, whatever you know. Uh, and and I respect all the metrics. I respect everybody's philosophies and everybody's um, you know uh, thoughts on the game. That's what makes this uh, you know so fun and so great. But I do think there is a little bit of run bias. You know, for some reason, you get dinged for that. And it was interesting reading, um, you know, that that article and how many times they mentioned that, you know, like Sean McVay was too much of a run guy. Well, if you talk to the typical Ram fan, it's completely opposite. Like, he abandons the run way too many times. Uh, there's, trust me, there's people in that fan base and some media members as well. Um, uh, there, there's one in particular, a good friend of mine, who's just always on the run game bandwagon. Like, why is he not running the ball? You know, why is he abandoned the run? Oh, three straight passes right there. You know, he could have run. So w- it, people see things a little bit differently. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that, we always have to remember that too, that Eric, the writer of that, and I respect the heck out of uh, all of his work. It's one person, and it's one person's opinion at the end of the day. Yeah, and they got uh, if you got if you look at a list of like you got you know Tampa Bay doesn't really run the ball with you know uh, you know a big name running backs even. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire in Kansas City, you know, still takes a backseat to everyone else that comes out there, you know, like he had in last year. You know, you're going to sit behind, you know, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are going to get the most targets and the most activity. I'll, okay. Um, and let's bring this up. You know, I'll, I'll be the guy that says that. Do you think Andy Reid has maybe underachieved a little bit with the talent that he's had in terms of the Super Bowls that they've won, like the teams that he's won? And he isn't, he is definitely a pass, pass guy. Like if you go back to that Super Bowl, that they lost and where the quarterback was just running for his life pretty much the whole game. 
at some point, do you think maybe you should try to run the ball a little bit more to try to offset that a, a little bit? But he kept pounding the pass, mm-hmm. pounding the pass, pounding the pass, and it wasn't working, wasn't working, wasn't working. Maybe he should have run the ball a little bit more yes, in that exactly. game. Do you know what I'm saying? And maybe in his <laughs> right. career, in his career, because think about it. Like, they have won a Super Bowl. And, you know, uh, obviously Patrick Mahomes is tremendous, and that's your that's the guy to, to really ride. But could we make a case that maybe Andy Reid has abandoned the run too early too many times in his career? And I think if you want an elite play caller, you have to use the run to set up the pass and vice versa. Each one are interchangeable exactly. to help set the other up. So you're keeping everybody off balance. And to uh, and you know, and, and to go even further to wait, maybe what Eric Eager thinks about what the Raiders could do in 2022, he still feels like you know the uh, the weapons that are out there, especially the receivers like Renfro and Waller and even Devontae Adams, could be very explosive in 2022 with Josh McDaniels as the play caller. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, he only in the regular season had 128 targets, <laughs> turned that into a thousand yards. I mean, that's a that's a really efficient player. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's going to be kind of that, you know, if you, if Devonte Adams is Devonte Adams, he's more of the Randall Cobb of that offense. Um, you know, I think as a slot guy that can really hurt you, uh, you know, Derek Carr is a good arm. He, he has a good feel for, you know, the pocket and stuff like that. He's gotten better as the years have progressed. I don't necessarily think he's an elite player, but I certainly think he's gotten better. And last season when, you know, everything was falling or falling apart around him. He really found a comfort zone with, with, uh, with Hunter Renfro. And I think that that is going to stay there. You know, uh, hopefully Darren Waller is healthier and can play better than he did last year. And then obviously Adams comes in. There's always a little bit of the worry and Raiders fans saw this with James Jones, obviously to a lesser extent, but guys that move on from Rogers don't always do the best. Uh, but maybe I, I think Adams is the best chance of all those players that have moved on from Rogers to actually have success away from him. Okay, that's uh, Eric Eager that was on with Q Myers. We, we, we talked about this story to begin the show on Monday, <laughs> and you know, um, I, I, I see some uh, truth into that. You know, is, there is always that that question, like, all right, I can see where people if they leave. Green Bay and they leave a guy like Aaron Rodgers does their production go down and why is that well it's because they don't have Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to him but it, sometimes you're just old like or and 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 not not as as good anymore like yeah. uh, um, the wide receiver that came to the Raiders a few years ago mm-hmm. um, Jordy Nelson yeah Jordy Nelson you know he was probably toward the end of his his line right there and obviously he was um, and where did James Jones go? I forget where he. Went. So James, uh, when he when he left Green Bay in 2013, came to Oakland, went to the right, Raiders right, so, for yeah, one yeah. year, and then came back to uh, Green Bay to kind of round out his career, and then that was it. I just think Devonte Adams is at a completely different place in his <laughs> Me career. Me too, man. Like, like we're we're talking about a guy that's coming off a tremendous year, a tremendous you know uh, run of seasons. I don't think that like he's he's right in his wheelhouse right now. And motivated too uh, to to continue to win, and now with the, you know, playing for the, the the hometown team that he cheered for. Not that that's the biggest deal in the world, but um, you know that's extra motivation. Being able to play on the West Coast was where he wanted to be. Um, playing with Derek Carr, his good friend, still being in the prime of his career. Somebody who obviously takes care of himself. I don't, you know, so. Oh, yes. Uh, to, to to me, you know, you got to throw everything else out prior to um, you know when you're talking about other wide receivers that have left um, Aaron Rodgers to go to other situations. Uh, every situation is unique, and I think uh, uh, Devontae Adams is as unique as it gets. This guy is arguably the best wide receiver in the game right now, today, easily. And I mean, he's averaged 142 targets over the past six seasons. 
uh, leads the NFL over the past two seasons in receptions, receiving touchdowns, first down receptions, and average yards per route. Uh, it's pretty much the best all-around re- receiver the NFL uh, you could ever find uh, yeah. right now. Right, exactly. He can... He could beat you at the line of scrimmage. Um, he's a tremendous route runner. He could go get it. He's fast enough, obviously. He's great with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's a, he's good um, to, to uh, use as an offset to help other people, uh, help create room uh, and space for other people. Yes. He's the perfect player uh, right now. And I don't, you know, co- correct me if I'm wrong. I wasn't paying attention. Um, you know, we didn't have the NFL uh, in Los Angeles when I, I don't remember the year that James Jones went to the went to the Raiders, but. I'd love to find out where he was in his career arc at that point. Was he considered the best wide receiver in the game when he left uh, the Packers? James Jones, I probably I don't remember that conversation being being had. No, I don't remember the James Jones era so much. Yeah, yeah or 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 Jordy. Jordy was a great long ball, you know, guy, uh, but he wasn't ever really considered, you know, the the best of the best. This guy is like we're talking about, um, you know, in NBA terms, it's it's somebody like uh, Kevin Durant joining your team or somebody of that, you know, a top five player in the game coming to your team right now at the at the absolute perfect time when you're an ascending team and Derek Carr is right in his own wheelhouse. I think he has a complete understanding of everything that's going on around him and with him. Uh, a, a much improved defense. Uh, you know, Darren Waller on one side of him and, and, and playing off of a Hunter Renfro. This is a really good situation. So, again, uh, I get the I get the, well, gosh, it didn't work out for this guy or that guy after he left Aaron Rodgers. And I understand that and we have to talk about it. But I just think that Devontae Adams is a different a whole different situation. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes, uh, yeah, you're going to see products of a system, but uh, Devonta Adams uh, supersedes all that. One more from uh, Eric. He was on with Q talking about the Raiders offense now with Josh McDaniels and what part of the offense can they do better and improve on? And it's the red zone. It was always Gronk. And then even like the years that Gronk was injured, you saw the Scott Chandlers of the world and the Martellus Bennett's and the, you know, and so the secondary tight ends for that team also, you know, make plays in the red zone. So I do think Darren Waller is going to be a player that if he stays, I mean, there are rumors that he could be on the outs. I don't think that's actually going to happen. But if he stays, I think he's going to be the big guy. Adams is clearly a guy that if he's singled up, you know, it's going to get open no matter how you sort of do it. So I think he's going to get his fair share. And then Renfro, you know, was was pretty good there as well. So I, I and, and Josh Jacobs is a good running back. I know he didn't get the fifth-year option. Uh, I think a lot of that is because of the offensive line in front of him less than his ability um, but you know that I think they're going to be good in the red zone. I you know the, and they're going to have to be. I mean, this right. is a division where if you get threes instead of sevens, you're not beating the Chiefs, you're not beating the Chargers, and you're not beating uh, you know the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. So okay. You know, the red zone percentage is extremely important for this team, and it seems like it's been something that had been brought up for, I don't know, like the last three years, maybe four, yeah. uh, that the red zone needs to improve, and, and it is, because it's starting to really decline. As, as paltry as the numbers have been, they're getting worse. Yeah, they were, I think, 29th in the NFL last year in uh, red zone touchdown percentage. Uh under 50 percent you know uh conversely the, the 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 new england patriots were i think seventh in the nfl uh up over 60 percent they were scoring a lot of touchdowns uh, when they got in the red zone uh obviously josh mcdaniels was the offensive coordinator so uh he was intimately involved uh in that but um you know uh uh so so and it's also when i look at those writers when i look at this writers um uh, offense when you when you look at a Devon, just specifically in the red zone all right 
Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, those are those are three players that are going to be uh, that are ex- can be exceptional exceptional uh, in the red zone because one of them is going to get a little bit of space to work with, and I think that um, you know like let's back it up to last year uh, even when Henry Ruggs was, was was still here, you know Henry Ruggs was a, a deep ball threat, but I don't know if he was had gotten to that point in his career where he was a savvy wide receiver, especially in closed quarters like that. His game was stretching the field and getting behind the defense and being able to make plays like that. In the red zone where obviously the the field is condensed, it's it's a little trickier uh, to work in that kind of uh, area and I think you have three tremendous players in in the three we just mentioned uh on that side of the field, but then also you have guys like Foster Moreau who I think is going to get some chances in the red zone. Mac Hollins, Josh McDaniels has talked about Mac Hollins's work uh in the red zone and don't forget then like he said, Josh McDaniels and uh, maybe even uh, you know Kenyon Drake in the red zone. So I think the weapons are there, and that's going to be married up to a, a really good play caller uh, in, in the red zone. And I think what, that's where we'll uh, take a break and stop at, and we'll take a look at you know when you take a look at red zone numbers. Sometimes you have to look at the red zone. TD percentage numbers. Sometimes the blanket red zone numbers, they also include the field goals. For the Raiders, that's 51.7%. But when you look at red zone TD percentage, the Raiders rank much worse. And we'll tell you how and why that's that's so important because the teams that they face are pretty good in the red zone, in the TD percentage department, all that and more. We'll tell you coming up here on Raider Nation Radio, it's the morning tailgate. Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. So Carr will come back at quarterback as Mariota trots out. Jacobs will be the running back. He has been lethal throughout his young career down inside the five-yard line. Going to get a chance. Stance right. Jackpot, baby! Touchdown Raiders on their opening drive. A wake-up call for the Indianapolis Colts as the Raiders strike first. Uh, coming back with Raiders Radio Network. Yeah, you hear the uh, the goal line package there. Marcus Mariota coming in, going out, whatever that was uh, designed to do. It just never really worked out. But, you know, you could see even like last year. And that was, you know, the Colts game. And, you know, the the final game of the year next to uh, the Chargers, the second to last, that they were trying to find answers in the red zone. And that's the thing. Like, if, if you look at the red zone TD percentage, if you're in the red zone, you come away with touchdown. Uh, the Raiders, they rank 29th, as Vinny said, 49%. That's just not going to get it done. And it's something that's just becoming like a worse and worse stat for the Raiders. It's becoming uh, something that you almost tolerated in the previous system. It's not going to happen this time around because as we you know designed and, and, and talked about earlier, you know, McDaniels is an elite play caller. You know, in between the 20s, I think everybody looks great. But when he's in the red zone, he does his best work. Yeah, and uh, keep in mind that Mick Lombardi, the new offensive coordinator, uh, who, who carry over from from uh, New England, uh, was in charge of the red zone game planning uh, for the Patriots uh, last year. So uh, maybe even the last couple of years, but certainly last year. So, and as we mentioned, even with a rookie quarterback, and and you know. Um, 
they were seventh, the Patriots, uh, in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think it might have been 63%. It was definitely over 60%. Um, so they got it done. They were one of the better teams. They were a top 10 red zone uh, touchdown team. Uh, if the Raiders can get to that level, um, this is going to be a pretty nice season. And I got to say this, uh, going back to OTAs and, and minicamp, um, after the Raiders, when the Raiders, you know, uh, basically as a practice uh, plays out, you've got your stretching and a little bit of conditioning early on. Then everybody breaks into individual groups. Uh, and then and then the defense and offense sort of come together, uh, to, you know, uh, on, on their sides of the field. And then eventually everybody comes together on an 11-on-11 11 11 type basis, sometimes 7-on-7. Seven seven. But when the Raiders got to 11-on-11, to 11 11, they always started that period with a red zone uh, period. So that's how th- – I don't know if it was just coincidental or if they were trying to emphasize the point, uh, but they got to work early in practice – on red zone, that's where they put the ball, and that was and it was a really competitive uh, situation down there, offensively and defensively. Because we keep talking about the offense, but the defense was really bad in the red zone mm-hmm. too. So we can't lose sight of that. <laughs> I know that that's another show to think about how bad the red zone has been for right. the defense. Woo, good yeah. God! So so um, you know they were making it a point. It seemed anyway they were making it a point of, of emphasis offensively and defensively to really get things down in the red zone. And what I really liked about um, when they would start that red zone period was oftentimes it would be like eight, nine, ten straight run plays. Um, and and when I was watching the type of runs uh, that that they were they were calling and uh, the action up front, it really looked there was a there was creativity to it, no doubt about it. Um, they they ran it a bunch of different ways, uh, but there was a it felt like a real physical intent like a that was a, a point of emphasis as to to be bigger tougher stronger um and impose your will uh and you have to in that in that part of the field again um you know it's just shorts and shoulder pads and helmets so there's only uh so f- there's, there's only only so much physicality that that you can uh, express uh, at that point um in, in practice but it was obvious that that was something that um, they were intending it was intentional and I, I want to see if that translates uh, to actual games because to me that running game being able to run the ball uh, in those close quarters are going to be critical to the success in the red zone the offensive line has to be quicker and as you said uh, stronger getting off the ball and there has to be a certain amount of physicality that has not been there and you know it wasn't like um, you know when McDaniels was with the previous regime in New England it wasn't like they had uh, you know pro bowlers on the offensive line left and right they had guys though that did what they were being asked to do and for a red zone TD percentage last year it was 63% that was 7th in the league and in fact throughout the years in New England McDaniels was very strong in the red zone TD percentage percentage they came away with touchdowns and not field goals and I think a lot of that had to do with getting that push up front no doubt about it um and uh one thing I think that sometimes gets overlooked is we could talk about all the plays we could talk about all the talent we could talk about all the creativity your play call sequence this and that and all that fancy stuff but ultimately what it also comes down to and I think this is an area the Raiders need severe improvement and I think this is part of coaching is just being more poised in that side at that side of the field. Uh, whether it's communication at the line <laughs> of scrimmage between the quarterback and the wide receiver, maybe the wide receiver not being on the same page with the quarterback. Yeah, and there we you talk go. about young wide receivers uh, here in the past. Um, that could be mitigated by you now have experienced players 
across the board from, you know, in that wide receiver room, it's top to bottom. There's experience there. Number one. Number two, your offensive line being on the same page, making the right calls, the communication uh, along the line of scrimmage, being crisp, being efficient uh, in that area, guys running the right route. I mean, there's all sorts of things. Um, that, that play into the efficiency level. And I think efficiency level is critical just as much as being able to be physical and all that type of stuff. And last but not least, penalties. Penalties. How many times mm-hmm. have we seen the Raiders uh, in that area of the field knock themselves outside that area of the field because of a holding call or an offsides penalty, a legal procedure penalty, some sort of Penalty, turnover, um, so that efficiency level, and that all falls under that. Penalties, turnovers, being on the same page, running the right route, making you know, uh, the, carrying out your assignment uh, crisply and, and efficiently, all of that plays into the success uh, that you have on that side of the field. And I'll go right back to what um, Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, said. I literally asked him, when you when, down the road, when the games start, and, and people start thinking about the offensive line, what is it that you want them to think about? What is it that you want them to say, that's the Raiders' offensive line? Toughness, intelligence, playing your best football when it counts. And guess mm-hmm. what, Clay Baker? Best football when it counts is in the red zone, the money area of the field. It's not just at the end of games. It's not just in your four-minute offense to close out the game. It's not just at the end of the half when you're trying to score some points uh, but, but, but before you go to the uh, you know uh, into the locker room. It's when you get those opportunities to score touchdowns, playing your best football in those moments so that you don't sacrifice touchdowns for field goals. Yeah, you got to playing your best football when it matters most in the red zone and I think also in the end of the year. But more importantly, right, yeah, they got definitely. that predication. Yeah, yeah Brasillo's a guy that's like very very serious on the smart and tough. Like he the puts teacher. That, Yeah, he put that into that perspective. His philosophy is building that on that offensive line and as you get that a philosophy, that is something that's going to be really good. This is Priscilla from a few weeks ago. Smart, tough, play their best football when it counts the most. Smart, tough, play their best football when it counts the most. It's something that, as we've kind of gotten the the, the kind of the the basics of the of the system kind of installed, and now we're kind of rehashing some of it. They're hearing it a second and third time. I've had an opportunity, I think, to start challenging on some of those things of, of what you want your resume to be. You know, when you put the film out there, what's your resume? And uh, so we're starting to move towards that a little bit, but. Hey, when you think of the offensive line, you're getting that kind of definition. And I think when you come away from uh, training camp, you're going to get what Brasillo's looking for because <laughs> he's been pounding it. And they're, they're going to find the guys who fit that mold. Right. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you want to you want to obviously believe that everybody's locked and loaded from, you know, play one to the end of the game. Um, you know, but sometimes that can that's a little bit unrealistic, I guess. Uh, but. When you get to the red zone, when you get to those areas of the field where, gosh darn it, you need to score a touchdown right here, that's when you need to be doubly, let's just say that, doubly locked and loaded and just be, you know, hold your water. And we saw so many times last year with a, a, a young guy like Alex Leatherwood, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if this is a game, a part of the, his game that he's eliminated, but the, but the procedure calls, you know, uh, there were, there were a handful of ones that were, that were backbreakers to be perfectly honest. And I know he understands that and he knows he needs to clean that up. And sometimes I just wondered, especially as a rookie player with a lot, you know, uh, on your plate, 
changing positions, all of that, uh, you know, not having that veteran presence next to you that you were expecting, that the Raiders were expecting to kind of keep you calm a little bit in the huddle at the line of scrimmage, like, you know, chill out, it's going to be all right. All those types of things, it felt like sometimes uh, he was thinking too much, especially in those situations where that's when you're at your most vulnerable. When you're thinking too much, when your mind's racing, when things are moving 100,000 miles uh, per minute, that's when you do make the careless error, like, oh, you're a little over-anxious. You, you jump off sides. You know, you're not, you're not um, you know, uh, have the best command of, of, what the, of what the play count is. You just, that's where hopefully for him, experience settling down, things slowing down, um, having a better command of the playbook, understanding just being a professional and an NFL player, um, and maybe having a veteran player next to him this year will help as well. But just knocking that out, if, if that if 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 he can you know uh, eliminate um, half of those penalties, he's going to be a, a much higher graded player. He's going to be a much better player, and he's not going to put the Raiders in bad situations because those penalties are killers. They are indeed, and I think uh, we'll step aside and we'll come back with you know more on that red zone touchdown percentage because the Raiders' opponents that they face. There's a lot of them on there. In fact, five of the top nine on that list are the ones that they face early on. We'll tell you who that is coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Eddie Borsilli from SiriusXM will join us at 8 o'clock. We'll talk Raiders with Eddie. Get his thoughts on Sue, the AFC South opponents, especially what McDaniels can do in the red zone. As we're back here, it's Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor. Heidi Fang um, might be able to join us here in a little bit. We're having some technical difficulties getting her up on uh, on her end, but we will get her here as soon as we can here on Raider Nation Radio. You know, the Raiders opponents on the red zone list, TD list especially, the TD percentage, five of the top ten are on there. And the problem is that the Raiders' first three opponents in 2022 rank in the top 15 in red zone TD percentage. You got the Chargers, you have the Cardinals, as well as the Titans. And, uh, you know, for for what the Raiders need to do, you got to fight fire with fire because these teams are going to be coming away with touchdowns out of the red zone. They're not going to be settling for field goals because they've already had the continuity and familiarity to do it. And I think, you know, some of the teams that they face, like Seattle, I think Seattle's probably not going to be in the red zone, you know, top 10 list uh, like they were last year. But be that as it may, the Titans, the Patriots, Sam Fran, the Chargers, they're going to be there. And for right away, the Raiders have their work cut out for them because you got the Chargers, Titans, you know, uh, working right away with you and the Cardinals in week two. So top three teams right there. You have to find a way to go in and, and match that. So you have to find out what your identity is on this offense because it's got to start right away coming away with touchdowns. And uh, I think that's something that Josh McDaniels and Mick Lombardi are very, very strong looking into. And even Darren Waller spoke very highly of Mick Lombardi because we know that, um, and even um, Eric Eager had brought it up, that the red zone is going to improve for the Raiders uh, on the offensive side, but the tight ends are really going to eat. This is Darren Waller on offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi. Uh, Great teacher, a man that's on the details, a man that has a great spirit about him. He's very excited to to teach us and to go out there and be with us. He's going to be hard on us, but you know there's love behind it and there's good energy behind it. So, uh, you know, especially the tight end room, we think very highly of him because we're around him the most. But 
Yeah, because that's that's something that they need to see. They they need to see like uh, the tight ends being featured as red zone targets and being able to get uh, the separation necessary for them to go and start uh, handling what most tight ends have looked like in a McDaniel's offense before, and that includes Rob Gronkowski. Also interesting that the Raiders don't have a tight end coach at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So it uh, looks like Mick Lombardi is doubling up um, You know, uh, at that position. Uh, in addition to being the offensive coordinator, that Patriots have done that uh, in the past, so not all that unusual. Uh, but yeah, I think that I think the tight end element. Um, I think everybody, you know, you you have so much talent at your disposal uh, now um, that there there there's there's no reason this offense can't be effective uh, in that red zone. Uh, again, it comes down to play calling. It comes down to execution uh, more than everything, more than anything, uh, because I think the talent is there. And so I'm looking at the offensive line. I'm looking at can you run the ball. Uh, down in that area? Are you going to be creative in that area uh, and not be stubborn? I thought the Raiders uh, the last few years have sometimes been stubborn uh, in that side of the, uh, in that side of the field and inefficient. If you can clean up those two things, uh, no reason that you can't be um, you know a better a better red zone team. Now uh, we look at Seattle's up there. Um, you, you mentioned that they were third last year. They don't have Russell Wilson, so that could change things a little bit. Could be, yeah. Uh, the, the 49ers, <laughs> we don't know uh, about Trey Lance. I, I, what I saw of him uh, uh, up in the up in uh, Santa Clara in the preseason last year, I liked. Uh, but is that going to carry over to his second year? If so, uh, then they can be right where they were last year, fourth in the uh, in, in the NFL uh, in red zone uh, TD scoring percentage at sixty four point four percent. You mentioned the Chargers. I don't expect them to go anywhere. Uh, that's going to be a challenge. Um, and then uh, Tennessee is is ninth. Um, so Kansas City is eleventh. Uh, so there's some really good, efficient uh, red zone teams that the Raiders are going to face, which goes back to the defense. <laughs> you know, part of it obviously is the offense matching oh, yeah. whatever production is going on uh, of the other team's offense. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the Ooh. defense has to get better in that area of the field too. And um, you know, that's it was interesting. I, I know that Josh McDaniels is an offensive-minded coach, and he has to sometimes remind himself, even in those periods where the defense was winning the day during OTAs and, and minicamp, he has to feel okay about that. You know, in the past when he was the offensive coordinator. If the offense won the day, he, he had a great day. It didn't matter to him what the, it, that it, he was doing against the defense uh, of the team that he helps coach. Uh, it was a great day for the offense. It was a great day for Josh McDaniels. Now, as the head coach, if your defense plays well in the red zone, that's a great day for you. Um, even if it, even if it comes at the expense of your offense, Sean McVay had to learn that lesson uh, early on. Like you're the head coach now, the defense is yours as well. So you have to take uh, take that into account. And I think that. You know, watching the Raiders uh, in, in in minicamp in that area of the field, you should feel good about your defense playing well against that offense in that area of the field because that's a pretty good offense uh, and a lot of talent over there. And if your defense is making stops, forcing a, a couple of turnovers as they did, it's a good thing overall because, again, not to beat a, a, a dead horse, but that part of the uh, the defense has to be – much better in the red zone, just as the offense does. Oh, they do, and uh, that's uh, when you when you're talking about and I'm being unable to stomp the teams on offense that you know you can. And over the years, when you think about, you know, is this going to be a, a part of the identity of this defense that they cannot stop somebody in the red zone? That has to be eliminated now with the McDaniel's regime, and perhaps that's the answer, Patrick Graham is here for. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll ask Eddie Borsilli the same questions as he joins us from Sirius XM here on Raider Nation Radio. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. 
guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.